children's songs remind us of the teachings of Jesus that are so central to the way we live our life day by day. Last week, we laid that foundation, so to speak, for our spiritual house. Namely, faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. It's upon that foundation that everything else is built. As we continue the building analogy today, we're going to add to our faith goodness and knowledge. Next week, we will explore self-control and perseverance. But before we jump right into this today, let's add another scripture into the picture. And I believe this scripture will help us better understand the relationship between that foundation and then the materials that we use to build on top of it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 10 and read through verse 16. Here Paul lays this connection between the foundation that he laid, Jesus Christ, and the materials that we will build on top of that foundation, with which we will build on top of that foundation. There he says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any other foundation than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold or silver or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring light to it. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? We are the temple of God. We need to be reminded of that. We are the temple of God. If, if we have built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified, risen, and ever reigning at the right hand of God, I believe that linking these two passages from 1 Peter and here in Corinthians helps us to understand how vital it is to our growth to add knowledge and goodness. Matter of fact, Paul, I mean Peter says there in, in 2 Peter that uh, if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, it's going to be vital in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Without it, without that foundation, all the building will be for naught. The goodness, the knowledge, the self-control, the perseverance, the godliness, the mutual affection and love that Peter mentions um, will do us no good in and of themselves. They're not the end. They're a means to the end. Uh, they are uh, that thing that we use to build on top of the blocks that we use to build on top of the foundation that is laid, Jesus Christ. Now, if we build well, we will receive a reward. 
Whether we build well or we build poorly, we will be tested. Let's believe that, church. God never promised you that you would not suffer. He said the exact opposite. You will suffer. You will be tested in this life. But if you build well, you have a reward. And by the way, that is not a pie in the sky way off in the far, far by and by that we have to wait for that reward. I mean, there is that. I understand. We live this life uh, and we try to follow God's will knowing that we will have a heavenly reward. But I believe that there's a reward here on earth too. There's a real reward that comes when our life is built solidly on the structure of Jesus Christ. Because when those storms hit and batter us, when they're all done, just like in the song, our house stands firm. And not only are we receiving the reward, but we become a blessing to others because our house is firm. And we can bring those in who have shattered their lives because they didn't build well. We can bring them in and help them as they rebuild. We become a blessing on others. But one thing to remember, folks, we can't build our house out of straw and then complain to God when our house burns up especially if we're playing with fire. Okay? We can't accuse God of failing us when we fail to strap our house firmly down to the foundation and when we cut corners on the materials that we used. We must carefully select our materials and then diligently put them together using the best efforts and the best practices we can. Will we always be successful? No. No, we won't. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works. But if that grace, excuse me, but by that grace, if we are building on the right foundation, even our faulty workmanship will not derail our eternal reward. But if we don't build well, we can suffer loss here in this life. So these two come together. This idea of adding to our faith and building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. So let's keep that in mind as we continue now, looking a little bit more closely at goodness and knowledge. NPR, National Public Radio, uh, ran a very moving story that I heard many years ago about a father and a son. Uh, it aired on their radio program, This American Life. The episode was titled, Know When to Fold Them. And it focuses on a man by the name of David Dickerson's return to the Christian household that he had not visited since he left for college. About 10 years later, a now hostile 28-year-old Dickerson wants to undermine his father's quote-unquote repressive faith. And on the show, David says, I had all this ammunition, and I couldn't wait to use it. And I remember thinking, this is a showdown, because my dad and I are at war. My dad didn't know this, but I was at war with him. I was at war with all Christians, and I was just waiting for an excuse to have a shot. So when my father, continues Dickerson, innocently mentioned some mission work that he'd been praying about, David unleashed his fury. I just rambled on like this, he said. 
And I knew, essentially, while I was doing this, I was also assaulting his dream. You know, saying everything he was excited about, that he was sharing with me, was misbegotten, was a bad idea, was morally corrupt, and he just quite, kind of quietly let me do it. David's father let him expend every round of ammunition he'd been saving up to shoot at his dad, to try to knock down his faith. And at the end of David's rant, he simply looked at David and said, David, I'm really proud of everything you've done. David concluded the show by saying this, and I remember looking at my dad, and I thought, I had sort of expected to argue. You know, not to win, but to at least come to some kind of an armistice. You know, some kind of truce. I hadn't expected to lose completely. And listen to this church. Because you can't argue with decency. You can't argue with goodness. Think about that. You can't argue with decency. You can't argue with goodness. Now, some may try to say, in the relativistic mantra of our age, that what is good for you may not be good for someone else. Well, as my Uncle Pinky Wayne in Iowa would say, that is hogwash. Not hogwash, hogwash, because that's the way we say it in southern Iowa. There is a universal sense of what is good. And even if there was not Christians, we don't have an excuse. Peter has already let us know that the goodness he mentions here is in keeping with God's will. In 1 Peter 2, 12, the apostle wrote, Live such good lives among others, among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day. He visits. Do you want to quickly and easily have a quick and easy definition for goodness? It's anything that glorifies God. If it does, it's good. If it doesn't, it's not. My dear brothers and sisters, especially in this contentious age that we live in, we have to be careful not to think that the ends justify the means. They don't. We can never call evil good simply because we believe it to be the lesser of two evils. They're both evil. And especially as we build our spiritual houses, we have to make sure that goodness is in ample supply as we build it. And this list, by the way, is not uh, in order of importance of all of these items that are listed in 2 Peter are important as we build our spiritual house, as we add to our faith. They will assist us in weathering the storms that we are going through in life. Instead, this list, I believe, is in order of assembly. In order of assembly. I may have the best constructed roof in the world, but if I mount it on top of the foundation, where am I going to live? I'm not going to have much space in this house. So it's important the order in which I build my spiritual house. We need to take time. And we need to follow directions. Yeah, I know, man, it's hard, but we need to do it. Okay? We need to follow directions. Or we will find ourselves 
rebuilding our house time and time again as life tests it and it falls. Goodness is right after Christ, our foundation. Indeed, to cross metaphors as Paul does in Colossians 2.7, we need to be rooted in Christ if we are going to truly be built up in Him. If we allow a root of bitterness within us, it will eventually dislodge us from our foundation and it will be disastrous for our salvation. Instead, we must fight to keep our minds centered on Jesus Christ and the joy that he looked forward to, knowing that he was going to sacrifice his life to save us from sin. He had joy in that. Paul knew the importance of a healthy attitude when in Philippians 4, he encouraged the saints to rejoice in the Lord always. Then in verse 8, he tells them how they can do this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about the good. If we want to be good, we have to be thinking about the good. We have to be allowing that to fill us and flow throughout our whole life. It needs to be the thing we start with, not the thing we try to add in later on. Uh, But thank God through his power and his spirit, we can be transformed, even if that's not in the right order. The world, folks, is an evil, bitter, unjust, tragic place. And we, as Christians, are to shine like lights in the universe, holding out the word of life, the word being Jesus Christ, as Bernie pointed out so well in his Lord's Supper comments. Don't put the bushel of bitterness over your candle. Don't put the bushel of bitterness over your candle. Instead, put the globe of goodness around it to protect it from the wicked winds that blow in this world and so that it can magnify the light to give hope in a dark, dark world. Goodness sets the tone for the building of our spiritual house. But knowledge, knowledge helps us know how to build that house. Knowledge is indispensable. This comes to light in a story that comes from 2 Kings 22. There's an interesting story there that has a lot of value for us, I think, today. Josiah is a young king, became a king at the age of eight. Uh, And years have gone by, and he's now 18, entered into his own. And he begins a reformation to try to reform and rebuild the temple that uh, his father Amon had let fall apart and and the religious practices he let go into uh, negligence. He sends his servant to inquire about the work that was going on in the temple. And he's told that they discovered a book of the law that no one had seen in years. As it was read to King Josiah, he began to tear his clothes And he covered his head with ashes. Because even though he was seeking to do what was right by the Lord and to bring about these reforms, out of ignorance of the law that was revealed in this book of the law, he understood that Israel was at risk. They were not doing what the Lord wanted them to do. No one can have all the right answers. 
to every question or even every interpretation of Scripture. But I can tell you this much. At the root of every problem the church has, at the root of every squabble we have, at the root of every personal disagreement we have, it usually comes down to an ignorance of God's Word. When someone comes to me and they want to complain about a brother and sister in Christ, and I say, have you read Matthew 18 lately? Oh, what does that say? It says if you have a problem with your brother, go to him. Have you done that yet? Well, no. Well, I'll walk with you if you want to do that. Oh, no, never mind. Ignorance of God's word gets us in a lot of trouble. I also believe that knowledge alone is not enough. I know atheists, folks, who know the word of God better than some of you in this room. They can quote it. But that does not make them believers in Christ. So knowledge needs to be defined a little tighter. And thankfully, Peter does that for us. Please read with me verse 8 from our passage today in 2 Peter 3. I don't have it up there, so that's going to be 2 Peter 3.8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that little turn of phrase? Peter wrote, in your knowledge of our Lord, not in your knowledge about. Peter seems to me to be saying that knowledge is beneficial, or the type of knowledge that's beneficial is the type that makes us effective and productive in doing God's work. I can know all about Jesus. I can even get kids perfect scores in Bible Bowl. But if I have no personal connection or knowledge of Jesus, then I am nothing. Robert Weber writes of an encounter that he had while bicycling through Michigan. And I think this helps explain this concept a little bit. He writes, some time ago I was biking and met another biker who, like myself, was a professor of theology. In the course of our conversation by the side of the road, he said something that I will never forget. Bob, all I really want in life is for the word of God to take up residence inside of me and form me into Christ. I think this statement hit me hard because my seminary training in the Bible was never that personal. We were always asking, what does it say? And seldom, if ever, made the step into a deep personal application of how can that truth take up residence in me? Are we studying to pass a test? Or are we studying to know our Lord? If I know my Lord, I will never look down on a sinner. Instead, I will befriend them so that they may know my Lord as theirs. If I know my Lord Jesus, I will not reject whole classes of people, but instead will welcome all who truly seek the Lord. You know, Jesus had his problems with the Pharisees, didn't he? And yet when Nicodemus came to him in John the third chapter, did he turn him away? No, he welcomed him. If I know my Lord, then I will be guided by His Spirit and I will be led into all understanding. 
Now, we still need to study God's word. This isn't a get out of study free card, okay? We still have to study God's word. But not to pass a test. But rather to get to know our Father in heaven through his son that he sent. His son who is the image of the invisible God. Who is the exact representation of him. When we have seen the son, we have seen the Father. But to make this happen, God didn't just drop a book on us. He sent his son. And then we have written the records of those who saw his son and knew him. And then he put us into community, the church, so that we could sharpen one another in our knowledge of God and in our efforts to live and become more and more Christ-like. He put us together as a church. And it is together that this really fully comes into being. It's only together that we can build a house. I know very few people who can single-handedly build a house. My brother Craig is a workaholic, and they're putting an addition on his little church down in in Ohio. And he built all the walls, uh, framed it up himself, but when it came time to lift the walls, guess what? He needed help. When it came time to put the roof trusses on that they did yesterday, he needed help. We can't do it by ourselves, folks. We can do a lot, but we cannot do it all by ourselves. The knowledge that we need is ours through the Holy Spirit. But God works through his spirit through many means, including his church. Individually, each of us is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul made that clear in 1 Corinthians 3. But Peter explained in 1 Peter 2, 5, that We are also living as living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It is only together that we can gain true knowledge. But we like to look at degrees, don't we? We're a degree silly nation right now. I have a master's of divinity. Woo-hoo! That and four bucks will get me a coffee at Starbucks. And that's a cheap coffee at Starbucks, isn't it? <laughs> um, you know, but one of our brothers here, J.C. Noble, we were just talking this morning. What did you figure you had? Maybe a, a few years of school? A few years of school, J.C.? That's okay. <laughs> Glenda will tell you later. <laughs> but you know, he went through another type of school. He went through the school of hard knocks. And I want to tell you something about J.C. He reads God's word. And he doesn't just read it. He knows it. And he wrestles with it to understand it. And if I take time to listen, which I thank God that I have, I have learned some things that my education failed to teach me about God's word. Now, is J.C. a better Christian than I am? No. Each of us has been gifted by God so that together we can come to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that we can fully know our Lord. It's easy to let knowledge puff us up and make us conceited. But if knowledge is learned and humbleness together as we serve one another, then It builds us all up. And you know what? That is exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to build 
our own spiritual house, but build us as a church together as a spiritual house where we can come together as a holy priesthood and serve him. The foundation of Jesus Christ is laid. If we will start with goodness and then add to it knowledge of our Lord, we will be off to a good start with the building of our spiritual house. But remember, our house will grow as we grow in Christ. We need to continue to seek goodness and knowledge in each phase of the building of our life in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that firm foundation that is laid in him that we can build our life upon. Father, we understand and know too well that we are not always good builders. Lord, we sometimes use wrong materials. We take shortcuts we shouldn't take. We are just so thankful, Lord, that because of Jesus Christ, even when we err, we are secure. But Father, help us also to be more diligent, more diligent to use good quality materials, to understand and seek to understand better each day how you would have us build our life in your son, Jesus. And help us to share that good news Share that hope that we have. Share that solid security that we have in Jesus Christ with those we come in contact with so that they too may be able to build upon the same foundation. And together, all of us, we built into a holy, holy house where we can together, as priests before you, bring praise to you and be a witness to the world. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. If you're here today and you have not yet obeyed the Lord's command to come to His Son, Jesus Christ, we're going to encourage you to do that. Uh, you can do that through simple faith and obedience. Believe that He is the Son of God. Believe that He came upon this earth, taught of His Father, showed us the way, and then under the hands of evil men, was suffered, was crucified, and died that he was buried and on the third day rose again to newness of life. And having believed that, put your faith and put feet on it by obeying his command. Obeying his command to die to yourself. And you do that symbolically by being buried in the waters of baptism, where you die to yourself or buried with Christ and then are also raised with him and by his power to a newness of life. A newness of life that is forgiven of sin, a newness of life that is empowered by his spirit that he promised would dwell within us and lead us into, yes, all knowledge. Give us those words that we can't quite get and help us in communicating with our Father in heaven. Whatever your need is today, we would love to help you, especially if it is to put your Savior on in baptism. Won't you come to him now as we stand and as we sing? Nothing less than Jesus 